All right. Welcome to Dear So-and-So, a phone call between friends where we offer up advice that no one has asked us for. As always, we'll read some of our favorite advice column questions and give our unsolicited opinions. I'm Alyssa Bloomstein. And I'm Steph Karp. Welcome to Dear So-and-So. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, Uh, welcome. (laughs) Great. Thanks for joining us, everybody, as the Mm -hmm. world goes to shit. Maybe I Mm -hmm. should be more optimistic. As no, the world, no as the world, optimistic. as the world keeps turning, as um, the world turns, um, still world we gather yes. here on Tuesdays to yes. talk about dumb, asinine uh, advice column questions. Exactly. Also with us on the call right now, a very special guest, a guest that you've heard from before. They're here to follow up on our answer to their question. Kristen, welcome to the show. Hello, thank welcome. you for having me. Wow, would, it's would you prefer us to refer to you as Keck, as that is the name that we have been referring to you on the show up until this point, or would yeah. you like to resume your God-given name? No, I feel like Keck is my God-given name. Let's go. <laughs> sense that's true okay all right so Keck we have you on the show because well for several reasons one because we love bringing friends on two because you wrote in a uh an advice question you had written in to dear so-and-so about living next to a celebrity chef and how best to consume said chef's show if with the possibility that said chef could hear you through the walls. Is that That's a right. decent recap? Yeah, yeah, that was that was my very burning question. And our advice had been that like potentially it's fine to watch the show blasting a couple episodes, but you don't want to come off like you're like a rabbit super, super, super fan. So maybe- Right, like they'll get a kick out of it the first time and then they'll be like, okay, enough. Right. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, Thank you for taking the call. I really appreciated it. Um, it was it was just an no honor. Problem. It was such an honor to be featured. Uh, yeah. I I did love the advice. I thought that it was right on point for exactly how I should approach it because you need to rip that bandaid off and then just get mm-hmm. comfortable with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was some nuance to the story that was hard to capture in the question, which is that I have interacted with said chef and in the deep burning desire to seem cool, pretended I had no idea who this chef was. (laughs) And, uh, you know, like went so far as to ask, like, what do you do? kind of thing. Yeah, like this is my move because I've run into celebrities in the past. So I live in I live in New York City. I live in Brooklyn, and I've run into celebrities like very randomly. But that's always my move is to sort of be like, oh, like, what's up? What are you drinking? You're a normal person, um, and it always backfires. Always. Um, so it always why? backfires. Why? Oh gosh. Well, I'll, I'll regale you with a story one time when I saw Aziz Ansari in, in Bowery Ballroom. <laughs> I have no problem sharing this. Um, he was at the bar by himself and he was drinking a cocktail. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be like kind of cool and go kind of like flirt with him a little bit because I did find <laughs> him attractive. And what did I have to lose? And so I went up to this was you know a long time ago. Let's let's set the stage. And I um, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 sure. I went up to him and I was like, what are you? Hey. How's it going? And he was like, good. You know, how are you? And I was like, good, good. What are you, what are you drinking there? That looks delicious. And he looked at me in the face and he said, it's called a gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, awesome. Yeah. And oh, so that's that. He must have said that before. I feel like he has said that before. Did you immediately like motion to the bartender and say like, I'll have what he's having? Like, that's, what's the move? 
That's exactly what I did. I motioned to the bartender and said, one more of those. And then I melted into the floor like Alex Mack and slithered away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so glad you lived through that so that you could tell us about it. Thank you. Thank you. It's all been leading to this moment. (laughs) All right. Read us. Keck, bring bring a question uh, to us if you have one. I do. Um, I brought a question that I had read uh, at some point. Uh, recently, I can't remember when or where, but I had um, had thought about it a lot. So I found it, and it's it's the title is "My Mom Wants to Steal Her Ex Boyfriend's Ashes." <laughs> okay, says, I'm I'm nervous but ready. Yeah. I'm excited. Is she she says she'll do it only if his wife won't find out. My mom's okay. first love died recently. The plan for his remains is for them to be cremated and then for his current wife to keep them in an urn. My mom wants to take some of his ashes from the urn and to then take them to their old spot and scatter them, assuming she can do so without alerting his family and thus adding to their pain. She thinks it will help her mourn and that it will not do any harm to him or his family since Mm -hmm. she will do it only if they'll never find out. I think this is disrespectful to his remains and that if he wanted his ashes to be scattered someplace special, he might have already talked about it with his wife. Should I stop her? Is this strange or an okay reaction to the death of someone important to her? Or should I encourage her to seek other ways of mourning? So I'm curious what you guys Um, think about uh, this. Yes, you should stop her. Yes, you should stop her. I understand where she's coming from, but anytime you're about to do something where you're like, I'll only do it if so-and-so never finds out, that's a pretty good clue that you definitely shouldn't do that thing. Right? Yes. Yeah, that is, that's like, I think that's the most succinct advice we could get here. Also, this is like, we're talking mom's first love. That's a candle to be holding for a long time. I know. I know. I do feel a little, like, this does make me... Did the mother get remarried? Like, did you know, there, there's like a lot of baggage here. And when somebody dies, like, there's a lot of emotions and baggage that can be churned up. So I would encourage this mom to, you know, think about those and work through those. But the way in which she finds some closure is not through ash thievery. No, yeah. a good way might be to go to the memorial service and like observe sort of like what else happened in their life and the other relationships that are maybe like more um, important to to this person right now. Um, yeah. Like that could be helpful. There's I'm also... Picturing... Oh, go on, go, go on, sorry. I well, was I just was... pick... Go. <laughs> Steph, you talk now. I'm just picturing that like they were high school sweethearts and they all still live in their high school town and that like mom knows the wife because they also went to high school. Like I'm just like, I just, Mm. this is such a, the story sounds like everyone knows each other and is like kind of in their business. Like how she could, how can she even conceive of even getting the ashes if she doesn't know the wife pretty well? well. True. You know, like I was thinking, how do you, how do you, you, I'm picking, I'm sorry, picturing her like in an all black outfit, like dropping from the (laughs) ceiling from a rope, getting the ashes when no one's in the funeral home. Yeah. It's a wacky romp. Like this is like um it's like a hangover style movie that's about yeah. to happen. Yeah. Um, I would also I would also remind remind people that while uh dead loved ones remains may hold some sort of mm, metaphorical significance that it that 
at least from my perspective, it is just their remains. It's not them right. any longer. And that there are so many ways to honor your dead loved ones that don't involve um, the theft of their uh, ashes. Yeah. Like you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, bring a journal to that place and like exactly. spend some time with your memories. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I understand the symbolism. There is some yeah. weight and some meaning behind the bodies that we once inhabited. But I would also just remind this woman that like you can memorialize and feel close to and mourn this person in so 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 many ways that do not involve um I I guess I would say as far as as like truly disrespecting their last wishes and their dead body right and presuming that it's it's just as important to you to like have that experience where you could just so easily also find a piece of their I'm sure this mom sounds sentimental so I'm sure she has a piece of something that they shared and potentially she could bury that in their special place or burn that and spread that those ashes in their special place right it's it's mostly Mm -hmm. about the symbolism of it but this has been keep this question has been keeping me up because I really hope this writer stopped her mom (laughs) Well, right. Yeah, I, I so just like true. need to know what happens. This is such a good one. Thanks for bringing this to our yeah. attention. Well, thank wow. you guys. I feel like our seven listeners, five, let's be honest. I feel like our five listeners are dying to know <laughs> who the celebrity chef that you live in a building with is. Is that something you'd be comfortable telling us? hundred percent. Totally comfortable <laughs> to share. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. The celebrity chef is, in fact, Tom Clickio of Top Chef. I don't want to make any assumptions about your finances, Keck, but I don't understand how you live in a building or next door to like one of the most famous television chefs. And presumably you yourself are not one of the most famous of whatever you do. <laughs> no offense. Like you're famous in our circles, but like I don't get yeah. the like the like socioeconomic. How does proximity like are, this happen? Yeah, yeah. that yeah. are happening here. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I'm happy to provide my tax returns. Tis the season, it seems. And so, you know, yeah. happy happy to stack it up there with what I, I actually contributed. It was more than seven fifty. So, um, sorry, yeah, I know it was, but it was it was certainly less than Joe Biden's three million. So, what yes. I will say mm-hmm. is, uh, it, it's he owns the entire building next door, and I own. What is classified by the insurance company as the basement apartment. So, so it's, you know, just, I want to set the stage of, of where we are in terms of being neighbors. He has several neighbors, all of them living in this building. He owns Perfect. the entire building next door. So I just have to admit that I live in the basement next to Tom Galecchio. Oh, my god! Oh, my God. I love it so, so much. So wait, have so you watched good. this season of Top Chef? So I was all ready to take your guys' advice and blast yeah. it and then get this. So I have not yet watched it. I apologize. Okay. I, I really am okay. taking okay. your advice. Don't, I mean, you don't have to apologize for us. Neither of us watch Top Chef. I also, in my time working in the restaurant industry, have worked for two Top Chefs and presently working under one Top Chef, have never watched Top Chef. Oh, I've seen a lot of it. I just don't currently watch. I was like, Alyssa, speak for yourself. It's been years, though. <laughs> I'm so it's sorry. You're right. I'm so fucking rude to, like, speak for, for us as if we're an entity. Yeah, my yeah. I, deepest apology stuff. We have two separate lives. Yeah. We do. Oh, we do. Yeah. We do. We do. Okay. What's, yeah, what's the news? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kek. Yeah. 
Well, no, first of all, I thought that was like a beautiful moment between the two of you, but also, <laughs> so thank you for just letting me be a bear witness. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so I, I think that the, the groundswell around it had kind of passed by the time you guys provided your advice. So like the urge is mm-hmm. still there, but like the urgency has sort of dissipated. I hear you. Yeah, I understand mm-hmm. that. So yeah. I was like, you know, getting ready to watch, but also sort of taking my time. And then I get a text message from my broker, Jean Vass, if anyone in Brooklyn needs a broker. <laughs> Jean is fantastic. The reason I love Jean is she'll take you into buildings that you could never possibly afford just because she knows you'll enjoy it. So she would take me to townhouses and let me <laughs> pretend that I was like a wow. broker. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Um, <laughs> love it. But yeah, she sounds great. Yeah, we'll she, put her information in the show notes as well. Please Absolutely. do. Please we do. Pass her. I want to get Jean <laughs> yeah. Biz. Um, Jean lives yeah. a few blocks away, so she's in the neighborhood gossip. And she sent me a listing, and Tom is actually now renting out his house next door while he <gasps> oh. sojourns in the North Fork. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> and so Sorry. now I have a new set of neighbors, none of which seem famous. <laughs> so... And you can blast whatever you want. Well, exactly. Now I'm ready. Like, what else could I be blasting that might make them uncomfortable, <laughs> but then oh. would also bring us closer? So I'm just, I'm mm-hmm, curious mm-hmm. Uh, what you guys think about that. But yeah, so now he's, oh. he's not here. Is there any possibility that you could buy a basement apartment in a North Fork home so that you <laughs> could be next door to him out there? Does that seem doable or no? Well, so what I think is probably doable. No, Alyssa, love your line of thinking because this is where I'm yeah. at. I've looked yeah. into <laughs> leasing a car that I could park outside of his house uh-huh, and, sure. then, uh, and then tap into some Wi-Fi so I could still execute on the plan. Because, I, you know, I do want him to know that I care. You know, I don't right. want him to know yeah. that I'm interested. Especially after, well, after pretending yeah, that you didn't know asking, yeah. who he was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. you made a connection and you need to follow through on that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I think. So that's that's where oh. we're at right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you so much, Keck, for that update. Should we read you an, a question? Should oh, we yeah. read you an advice column question? I would love it. All right. You too. Here is a question from New York Times is social cues and it is signed anonymous. I write short stories. Many of them are personal and based on real life experiences. I've been published in literary journals for over a decade, confident that 99% of my acquaintances will never read a word. But now a collection of my stories is being published as a book. Congratulations. The publisher has excerpted, excerpt, excerpted a revealing story about an ex on the book's webpage. This increases the chance that my ex and others will become aware of what I've written. Should I give uh, the people involved a heads up? Signed, Anonymous. Thoughts? I kind of want to like throw this to Steph for a moment as a published author. Mm-hmm. Is it okay that I like throw it over to you f- first? Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to, but I don't want to upstage uh, what Keck has to say. Um, <laughs> Honestly, because <laughs> Keck okay, is proven capable. <laughs> okay, um, I a resounding no. No heads ups are required. Um, no one reads literature, and also. <laughs> And number two, um, like, honestly, like, no one's going to pick up your collection of short stories. And also, I think you'll be surprised how how people do and don't see themselves in your work. I think, like, mm. people, um, the people who it's actually about will be like, what a weird 
take on this thing that happened sure. but they won't be like they won't be like oh yeah they really got to me they'll be like oh they used the situation we were in and they like made up something because people don't experience stuff the same way and they won't especially in literature i think because it's so close to your own consciousness like mm-hmm. i don't i honestly don't think that a lot of people are gonna are just gonna get that upset about it um i'm having a really hard time believing that since this person has been uh, published in literary journals for over a decade that this person's acquaintances have never read any of their work. Like the idea, I, I just mm-hmm. like have trouble wrapping my head around this sort of like, I've been writing for decades. Oh, but I can believe it, Alyssa. It's, really? No one reads, Alyssa, no one reads literary journals. I Do have you read, read your work. Well, sure, but if, if only because I like was Send like, hey, people read my work, right? Exactly. Like, if you don't want the people in your life to read your work, there's no reason they would ever read it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. I was my first initial thought too, Alyssa. I was like, how's no one read this person's work? <laughs> but then, yes, I, I felt thought so bad. I was like, you've been doing this for a decade, and you think that the people around you aren't reading your stuff, but I guess they're not I guess you're right Steph nobody reads nobody no nobody reads it also seems like they're okay with nobody reading it right like they are clearly very nervous about what they're putting out there in terms of how it might be perceived so they might be more comfortable knowing that it's you know something that they're not finding or reading on their own right we're here to assure you anonymous that nobody reads literary journals yeah. well, so no one's the literary journals it. are put out by college at, like no you don't read michigan quarterly you know what i mean like the most sort of the, like the most prestigious literary journals are not like in your hands like they're mm-hmm. not you have to go way the fuck out of your way to get them you okay know? yeah um so we're not talking about the new yorker you know so like, my most people... though my favorite thing you told me steph was that when you were entering the iowa writers program that you like read all of those past <gasps> new yorker fictions yeah, assuming... Kristen, I, I was so nervous because i feel like i've got a little bit of like um you know I, I grew up working class i don't have a great i didn't have a great education until i went to college and so i'm always just constantly i've got like imposter syndrome all over the place mm. and when i got into this MFA program, I was like, oh God, everyone there will have read so much more like contemporary literature than me. I better get the New Yorker for the next year and read all the fiction for a year. Oh, wow. Because they definitely yeah. will be subscribing to the New Yorker and will know all of the fucking fiction of the New Yorker. And so I got there. And then in one of my first workshops, I remember being like, well, has anybody read this in January's issue? And everyone looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would I have fucking read the New Yorker in January? Like, oh who reads God. their fucking New Yorkers? Nobody. Nobody reads them. Accurate. No, it was I'm staring at a pile of them on my desk. I am at this point just a patron of the arts. <laughs> I, I cannot yeah, totally. keep up. But going back to this person, I feel like the this equivalent of what they're suggesting is like you, you tap someone's car and you may have dented it a little bit and you leave a note and you tell them about it, it's like, no, don't leave a note. You're just don't making a mountain out of a molehill. They may never you're even so notice right. that scratch, you know? You're so right. And, like, just like, don't. And if they do... Yeah, you're bringing attention to something nobody needs to care about. Nobody so. needs to care about. And if they do somehow come across your work, it might be years from now, and they might be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Your, like, work, yeah. your work, meaning the dent in their car? No, <laughs> no, right. the dent if in they, the car, if your, they do your collection so of stories, like whatever, you know? Kat, will you tell us more about your Top Chef adjacent apartment? I bought an apartment last uh, May. 
and then okay. I ended up closing on it and moving in by September. So, okay, nice. Are you happy with it? Oh yeah, I am. You know, I got like I said, I live in the garden apartment, um, and mm-hmm. so <laughs> timing could not have been better with the pandemic to have outdoor Yum. space. So do I you? Ba- yes, I do. I have the backyard. So oh, nice. Um, Oh, that's yeah, that's great. the other twist of this is that we see each other in the backyard all the time. So it's a lot you and Oh, my God. Oh, my yes. goodness. Oh, yeah. your buddy. Well, not no more. I actually have a small, very small koi pond, and so I have to feed these fish that I've inherited. <laughs> <laughs> so I I'm have sorry. What in your purchase of I mean, this basement slash garden level apartment, a koi pond was included like yes. in the purchase? Yes. I'm going to just take you on a quick story, if you'll allow me. I <laughs> yes, saw, of course. <laughs> that's what this is for. Yeah. I saw the fourth floor. apart. So this is a townhouse. It's a historical townhouse. It was built in like 1900. So there's four apartments on each, one on each floor. So the fourth floor was for sale when I was looking to mm. buy an apartment. And I went to go see it. And it has a little balcony. And so I went out on the balcony and I look out over the balcony and I see the koi pond in the in the backyard. And I think, I literally think to myself, what douchebags. <laughs> what douchebags have a koi pond in Brooklyn? Like, get over yourselves. And then yeah. months go by. I'm still looking for an apartment. And the <laughs> this beautiful garden apartment <laughs> opens up in <laughs> The building and I come to look at it and I go out into the backyard and I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up buying this koi pond, it's, aren't I? Koi pond. Oh my god. <laughs> this koi pond is gonna end up being mine because the apartment is very adorable. And then like of course I put in an offer, my offer gets accepted. I had written like a very sad, sacky note with it, which is the only reason I think I got accepted. Eat or be eaten in New York with New York real estate. Let me tell you, I was getting I had constantly get getting outbid by these cash offers, which like who has the cash? probably Tom Colicchio, got the apartment. And then my broker and I had this constant running joke about the fish. Like, what's going to happen with the fish? Am I am I about mm-hmm. to become the mother of 16 fish? And 16? I wrote this email to her that was there to her and the lawyer, because when you buy a home, you have to have a lawyer. And I wrote this email and was like, oh, and also, can someone please tell me what's going on with these damn fish? And they didn't <laughs> edit my email and they forwarded it onto the the people I was buying the home from, and they they oh no they threatened to like back out of the deal because they were oh, like no. yeah the fish are staying oh my god oh, no. it was this whole thing and I had to be like no you know my broker had to call them to be like no 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 she really loves the fish this is a running joke between her and I. right right that's just oh, how she talks yeah. yeah that's just her love language that's yeah just, the more yeah. swears yeah the more exactly she loves it. Oh, exactly shit. this is like this brassy Italian. It's just, you know, she still wants the place. And so then, you know, ultimately ended up being that I inherited these 16 fish. And they're they're perfectly lovely and fine. I mean, they they take up a lot of space, but they're, you know. What happens in the winter? Oh, Oh, okay. Great question. Uh, Tell me to shut up whenever you would like me to shut up. No, this is so funny to me. um, So this is the wild thing. I, you know, I bought the apartment. I didn't move in right away. So I was walking over here every day to feed these fish. And then I find like a whole list of instructions, which is in the winter time, they essentially mm-hmm. stop eating and then they go to the bottom of the pond where okay. algae exists and they can feed mm-hmm. off algae, but they essentially stop moving from November until <laughs> April and they just don't Listen, eat. Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. They're not yeah, they just freeze. Exactly. They were like, yeah. they won't die. But then they, they said in their instructions that they left, they said, 
YouTube how to winterize the pond. And so I YouTube how to winterize a koi pond, and it's extensive. So I, I'm out there, and you, do you ever have one of those moments where you are like kind of attracted to yourself because you didn't realize what you were capable of, and so you're sort of doing something, and you're like, oh my god, I didn't know I was so handy, and like, whoa, totally, yeah, yeah, you know? I hear you, totally, I get, yeah. I get that time. completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, as, as yeah. an astute observer of narcissism, I felt like you would understand this. Yep, Steph and I were just talking about my narcissism expertise. I just felt like I was like, damn, I'm so handy. I'm out here in my woodsy backyard, and I'm like. Oh. Oh my God. Winterizing this pond, and I ended up electrocuting myself a little <laughs> in the process. Are you okay when you electrocuted? Like, are you all right? Yeah, How yeah. It was, okay? it was just minor. It was like a minor oh, shock God. that was just kind of like, okay, this is serious. Did you name them? Do they have names? They're all named Frank. It's just easier. <laughs> it's so true. It's Perfect. Perfect. So. Perfect. Yep. Should I read you guys that real heavy one that I sent you from the Good Trade? Why not? Okay. Too heavy? You sound, I'm doing it. Steph, you cool with it? Yeah, I'm cool. Okay. Let's do it. This is from The Good Train, and it is not signed. And it is, how do I stay hopeful and motivated when everything I've been looking forward to has been canceled or moved to an online format that sucks? It feels like I'm missing out on my own life, but I also feel bad for being sad because I'm sure there are other people having a much harder time right now. Period. This is a recent write-in that is in reference to the pandemic. How are you guys dealing with staying motivated when everything you've been looking forward to has been canceled or moved online to a format that sucks? Talk to me. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like not that well. You guys haven't I'm been not, dealing with it that well either. I'm not always motivated. Me neither. Yeah. How about I you, Keck? I think it's fine to not be motivated right now and to not beat ourselves up for it, right? I, I've been having trouble getting out of bed and I was like, why am I having such a hard time getting out of bed? Oh, because yeah. the world is literally on fire. Yeah, <laughs> like literally It's, it's just on very fire. difficult right now to do even basic things. So it wouldn't necessarily also hold yourself against other people and their what they're dealing with because there's always 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 someone dealing with something more uh, and that doesn't diminish what you're going through and that doesn't diminish what you're processing and how you're processing it right yeah best answer perspective can be helpful but also so unhelpful yes yeah Um, oh so so great everything does suck right now. I would Sorry, ask I just caller, needed to put that out there. Yeah, no, so true. I would mm. ask caller, um, what do they enjoy doing from bed? Because mm. they should really lean into those activities right now. Yeah. Like, do you like to watch television in bed? Do you like to eat snacks in bed? Do you like to um, go down like YouTube rabbit holes in bed? You can do all those things and you should just do those, those things mm-hmm. and then count them as like totally exciting, productive, wonderful ways to spend your day. Because that's right. what I do. Yeah. You have to like shift your like your excitement into a new realm, basically. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. also helps sometimes? Okay. Now I'm like, I have responses. Um, <laughs> what, <laughs> one thing that has helped me at different times in this pandemic is literally making a list of all the dumb shit I want to do that day. So like, mm. even if I had nothing to do that day, because I'm like a jobless, no good loaf, um, I would be like, oh, I, I want to read that one article. I want to watch two episodes of this television show. I want to play 30 minutes of my stupid video game. And I want 
to like practice Spanish for 15 minutes. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think one of the things that this person was saying is how do I stay hopeful and motivated when everything I've been looking forward to has like been canceled or moved to this crappy format is that the thing that Mm -hmm. I like try not to get caught up in is like um, thinking about the things that I was enjoying that got canceled and instead start to Mm. think about new Mm -hmm. things that I could potentially be enjoying. Like, for example, I'm really enjoying watching videos of paint mixing. Which is so <gasps> simple Wait. and so dumb. Wait, of paint of paint mixing? Yeah, paint just paint yes. colors being mixed together and it's just Are you guessing what color wow. you think it is? No, I'm not even putting that much thought into it, frankly. I'm You're letting just watching. my it's I'm just, just yeah, yeah, I'm just letting it happen and watching what the outcome looks <gasps> like. Do you feel Keck that the koi pond gives you purpose? Oh, you know, it's like a blessing mm. and a curse. The garden is yeah. nice, but it do, it's a lot of stuff that I just don't know about. So it does give me purpose, but but then on the days when I'm just not feeling motivated, it, it feels overwhelming, like an overwhelming yeah. task okay. to be accomplished. Yeah. But I will say, I understand. it is very lovely to go out there and just be like, hey guys, what are you guys doing? And not have to actually have a conversation with a human being. <laughs> Keck, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure to get some updates, to engage in these questions with you. Oh, I loved it. Oh, gosh. Thank you both. I feel so honored, and it's such a privilege to be on. I really appreciate it. Well, we can't wait to have you you. back soon, I hope. Oh, yes. 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 All right. Talk to you soon. Talk Talk to you soon. soon. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Dear So-and-So. You can find us online at dearsoandso.pizza where you can listen to new episodes where you can write in. I can't encourage you all enough to write in. We derive a lot of joy from hearing from you. We really do. Um, You can find us on Instagram at dearsoandsopodcast. Mm. Our music is by the incomparable Busy Hemphill. And as always, I'm Alyssa Bloomstein. And I'm Steph Karp. Talk to you next week, Steph. Bye, y'all. Would you would you like a relief of yourself in your house? Yes. Me too. I'm yes. I'm really <laughs> into narcissistic art. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's cool. I think that there's no place for bronze reliefs in the workplace. But I think that plenty in your boudoir or like actually in the entryway, in the entryway to your home, open a door. Yeah. Yeah. So right now in the entryway (laughs) to my parents' house is now like a large photograph of me where I'm just sort of like drowning in flowers. Um, So so that's there. I'm also in the process of getting a rubber stamp with my face on it so that instead (gasps) of signing things, I can just stamp stuff with them. And I just think like if you're not putting like a two foot by three foot portrait of yourself like yeah. a, an oil painting portrait of yourself uh-huh. over your bed you're really doing things wrong you're missing out yeah you're doing yeah. it wrong yeah Alyssa I don't know um yeah you're just meant to be a podcast star like I don't know what your resistance <laughs> to making this your full-time job is it doesn't make any sense to because me, but... because like because <laughs>
<laughs> because <laughs> I believe that my podcast should be playing 24-7 in my own home. In your own home. But right, I don't okay, know okay. if it should be brought. <laughs> like, I believe That's all a of good our own yeah. homes should be shrines to, to ourselves. Because <laughs> like, where else? Yeah, no, yeah, totally. It makes sense. Because where else? But I do not. But I feel a... a I feel very reticent about the idea of... Of being in the public sphere? Yeah, yeah. And like being proud of yourself in the public sphere? I am proud of myself in the public sphere. Ooh, that's... mm, Oh, Mm. man. I am definitely proud of myself in the public sphere, but I just feel like there's other things that to talk about in the public sphere. Sure. Like my home is my narcissistic temple, and the public Mm -hmm. sphere is where we take to the streets. Got it. 